Welcome back to First and Moose, the NFL podcast presented by U92, the Moose, the student radio station of West Virginia University. I'm your host, as always, Patrick McCabe, alongside my co-host, Zach Anderson and Manny Mardiege. We've been through three weeks of the NFL season so far, and it's been eventful, to say the least. I don't know about you guys, but uh it's it's been a fun first three weeks and you know i'm just glad to have football back first manny how are you doing uh it's not going so good for your steelers right now is it no yeah i'm uh i'm struggling it's weird when your football team loses and then your fantasy some of your fantasy teams win it's uh i got mixed feelings right now but uh yeah you you beat me in fantasy which i'm not very happy about I was watching that Broncos game and I saw uh, McManus had a chance to tie it at least and he missed that one and then he never got a chance at it. So still undefeated in that one. I was close. Continue though. No, yeah, it's uh, mixed feelings right now after three weeks of uh, really the same thing from my Steelers, but I don't want to get too much into it unless you have uh, more questions further on, but uh, I'm doing okay right now. I'm not losing my mind. That's a good. That's a good way to put it as an Eagles fan. Zach, for you as well, first, how are you doing? And, I mean, you're struggling the same as Manny right now. It's It's been a tough tough go for both your teams so far. Yeah, uh, I kind of uh, – it was kind of infuriating to watch that Seattle game this weekend um, just because Atlanta was kind of doing whatever they want, especially running the ball. Like, Cordero Patterson was running all over us. But um, I know and that man's, like, ancient. But anyways uh, – Seattle, they, they, it's been it's been a little it's been a weird last two weeks. I mean, getting blown out by the Niners and then playing close to the Falcons. It's I, I guess I'm in the same boat as Manny. I'm I'm all right right now. Uh, I'm not too worried. I'm not hitting the panic button for the Seahawks, but it's definitely not a good start right now. I can't relate on that one because my team's one of the only two undefeated teams. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. We'll start it back last Thursday with Manny's team, the Steelers, on Thursday night football against the Browns. Browns won that one 29-17 in a game that, you know, again, for the Browns, they're in such a tough situation, obviously. We talked about it before the season with the the Sean Watson situation and, you know, just all of the, you know, all the negative media that's come along with that. Uh, They're 2-1 and right now, and they're, I mean, they're a decent team. Manny, for you, you know, what ha- What specifically went well for the Browns and then what went wrong for the Steelers in this game? Uh, yeah, I'll start with them. Uh, what went right for them? Just uh, easily as the game went on, I think the defense just kind of got tired of being there much more than the offense did. And at the end, when they have two running backs just switching on and off like that, two really good running backs coming in and out of the game like that, I think it just wore us down, plain and simple, really. Um, there towards the end of the game, they just stayed on the field longer than us and just tired the defense out, and our offense didn't do much to give them a break. And on just going off of that, that's kind of what went wrong for us, really. Um, still mature the passing game, and Mitchell Trubisky still, I guess, the most glaring issue, the most obvious one. But um, the running game, still struggling a little bit. I'm not upset with how the O-line played because I think they held up well. I don't think they allowed – I think they allowed only one sack and not that many pressures. Uh, in the first three weeks, they've been pretty good. Uh, they're being better than what I thought they'd be. But still, the running game's still a bit not there. 
And when you have a passing game that's still shaky as it is, so it's not really going to complement um, each other well and not really going to scare the other team's uh, secondary. So um, I think just that stuttering on offense is what's going wrong for us yet. And I think if we don't find that rhythm, probably this next week there's going to be a lot more turmoil and a lot more issues um, for this team to really sort out and maybe a quarterback change is needed um, after this week, perhaps. Well, I would hope the Steelers can win this this coming weekend because they're playing the Jets. Uh, I think if they can't beat the Jets, I think that might be the panic button for the Steelers. Zach, for you, you know, what did, were you able to watch this game and kind of what did you take away from it? Because it wasn't the most entertaining Thursday night game we're going to see this season. Again, it was the second or for, I think it was the, was it the third Amazon prime game so far? And I feel like they've done a good job, but we'll get, we'll get to that later on uh, for you. What did you take away from the Steelers Browns game for both sides? Um, firstly with the Browns, I, I was pretty impressed with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, uh, many of them think of it, think of him as a mid tier, just a filler quarterback there. And, and, uh, in lieu of Deshaun Watson, but he actually played a pretty well, a good game against the Steelers defense. And it just seemed like the Steelers for them, they got, they got cut short on a lot of their drives. Like they, their drives would either lead to nothing or uh, it'd be a, or it'd be a long 10 play touchdown drive. And, and I think that it's kind of like the double-edged sword there for them because they'd have drives that would end with negative, like in the negative in yards. And then they have drives where they would go down the field and it looked like a good offense. So, uh, kind of like kind of going on what Manny said too. the uh, offensive line kind of suspect with only 56 rushing yards on the night for Najee Harris. But I think I think there's a lot of room to improve. And that's why I'm still a little optimistic. I'm optimistic for the Steelers going forward. And uh, one more thing I want to mention too: um, Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper have a big connection, it seems like. And that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. I do agree with you. I like that Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper and J- Jacoby Brissett connection. I-, I still don't understand why the Cowboys let him go for what was it like a fifth or sixth round pick? It was something late that just didn't make any sense. Uh, you know, Cooper had what? It was seven receptions, one hundred and one yards. That's that's a dang good game. And, you know, that's something that you can hang your hat on for the Browns. You know, they ha- we knew they were going to have a capable rushing attack. And you have a two-headed monster, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's your one-two punch that most teams will dream of having in their backfield. So I think for the Steelers, again, I'm with you guys. I don't think it's time to sound the panic button just yet. But I think it may be time to sound the panic button for one Mitchell Trubisky and one Kenny Pickett might be getting, you know, ready to potentially start. Because if this Jets game, Jets game doesn't go well right away, you know, Trubisky could get the could get pulled, you know, halfway through the game and they put Pickett in, you know, who knows what happens. Again, I don't know what's going to happen with the Steelers team throughout the rest of the season. Uh, they're still a very competitive team, even with the loss of TJ Watt. Uh, that's going to hurt you, but you still have guys like Miles Jack and, you know, you're supposed to have Devin Bush step up, but, you know, has he lived up to that potential entirely? Manny might be able to talk more about that, but, you know, just overall, the Steelers team has a lot of potential. I don't know if it's always, you know, whether the, I don't think it's Mike Tomlin's fault because Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL, 
I wonder if it's more player based, um, which I think at this point it has to be because, you know, what is, you know, Mike Tomlin done wrong in the past, what, 15, 20 years he's been the Steelers head coach. So I think for the Steelers, you know, it's a bit of a tough start, but I don't know if it's necessarily panic button, re- panic button level for the Browns. I mean, again, you're kind of just seeing where the season goes until Watson gets back, which again, we talked about it. He shouldn't, uh, I would say he shouldn't play in the NFL again, but that's just my personal opinion. Uh, and a lot of people's personal opinions, uh, that's week 12 and the Browns have nine more games until that point. So it'll be interesting to see how the Browns kind of do up until that point on, uh, you know, if they even end up bringing back Watson, which I think they will, cause they paid him so much money, but the blowback for him is just going to come right away in that first game. We'll get into a couple other games here, starting it off. Well, first game actually was the Eagles, uh, one o'clock game on Sunday. They were one of the first ones and, you know, I'll let you guys talk about the game first, just because I want to get my thoughts last. But mainly what I want to say is this, this team, I don't think was overrated or underrated coming into this season. I think they're rated exactly where they should be as an NFC contender. Manny, what were your, were you able to watch the game and what was your thoughts around it? Yeah, I watched almost uh, pretty much all of it because I got two buddies that are Eagles fans and I got a couple fantasy players there. Um, But no, yeah, I, I, it was kind of like what I expected going into it. Uh, The game against Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz playing against them for the first time. It wasn't in Philly, uh, lucky for him, but uh. Uh, I was just kind of what I expected. I expected that Eagles D-line to, to dominate them and just really hold Carson Wentz at bay. I forgot how many sacks exactly they ended nine. up. It was, yeah, it nine, was a lot. Nine sacks, nine sacks, just to, <laughs> just to put it out there. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. He just uh, didn't do anything really in the first half. And then in the second half, he kind of got something going. They got into the red zone uh, a lot more, but then it just wasn't really – you never felt like they were – threatening of any sort of comeback um offensively they continue to roll um Jalen Hurts pushing himself more into the MVP conversation and uh their schedule is pretty is rolling out pretty pretty well for them in the next couple weeks so I don't really expect it to to stop Zach for you being an NFC fan as well what did you take what did you take away from this uh specifically i mean for more i guess more the eagle side because of the commanders at this point you're kind of treading water and just trying to remain at 500 at this point that's true uh, i mean this was a runaway for the eagles from the start i i was pretty impressed with Devonte smith i feel like he had his big breakout game it seemed like with the i mean he made two great acrobatic catches during the game that i watched and and uh it really was a offensive showing for the eagles um, and, and, but the, you can't ignore, like you guys said, like the nine sacks, I mean, the, the defensive line dominated, uh, the running game was almost non-existent for the commanders, which forced, forced Wentz to pass the ball 43 times. And if Wentz is passing the ball 43 times for the Washington commanders, that's not a good day. So that the, the combination of Eagles defense and their offense make running out to 24 to zero in the early goings, it, it was, it was a runaway from the start. I mean, it was a it was a blowout from the start. Again, this is the game that I expected was going to be a win. And, you know, I follow a lot of Eagles people on Twitter and 
it was a majority, you know, I don't know if you guys watched as well. It was majority Eagles fans there. Like it was a complete Eagles takeover of FedEx field and you could see it in the stands. You could hear it after plays. It, I mean, it was just an Eagles takeover on the field as well as in the stadium. For me personally, I like the command. I think the commanders have some great young players on that team. That defensive line for the commanders, I think would be one of the best in the league. If they were on, if it was an actual competitive team, I say the same thing for their offense besides offensive line and Carson Wentz. I mean, receiving, you have Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, I mean, those are three young, capable wide receivers that would be, you know, contributors, wide receiver two, wide receiver run on some other teams. It just so happens that they're on, you know, the commanders of all teams. And Tonio Gibson as well is another really good running back that I think is a bit underrated. It just, you know, it's unfortunate that those two units especially have to deal with, you know, otherwise a poorly run organization from top down for the Eagles. You know, again, I'm obviously going to be biased being the Eagles fan, but this is probably your most complete game of the season. After you just had your most complete game of the season to this point. I mean, overall, like, yeah, the rushing attack wasn't really there. Didn't really need to be though. Cause you're, when you're, you know, Devontae Smith goes for eight catches, 170 yards. A.J. Brown, who we traded away a first and a third on, got only five catches, 85 yards, but he got a touchdown out of it. I mean, that's, you know, he's our wide receiver one. Wide receiver two got, you know, almost double the yards and, and almost a little bit more on the average yards as well. You know, there's a lot of weapons on this Eagles offense, not only Jalen Hurts as a thrower, but also as a runner, Miles Sanders, you know, the capable back, capable backfield. But then you also have, you know, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, uh, Zach Paschal, Quez Watkins, you know, the, Dallas Goddard. The list goes on and on. And you almost you have to consider this team as a contender in the NFC again, three games into the season. It's still very early, but when you look at the Eagles schedule, Manny, you referenced it. They play Jacksonville next week, which I'm not taking Jacksonville like lightly anymore. We'll get into it in a little bit, but they just, I mean, they absolutely demolished the chargers 38 to 10. I'm not taking them lightly. You know, when you have a team coached by Doug Peterson, the goat of all coaches, uh, you know, it'll be fun to have him. It'll be fun to have him back for sure in Philadelphia. He'll get a he'll get a warm round of applause. But you know, you look at it, Jaguars at home, then you have you go away to the Cardinals, and then you have the Cowboys. Those are your next three games before you have a bye, and then the Steelers uh on October 30th, which I think is a wet. I think that's actually at home. So that game will be at home, which will be a fun one to watch. Surprise, that's a one o'clock game. I'm hoping that gets flexed, though. Uh, but nonetheless, three, you know, three games that are easily winnable for the Eagles that could potentially make them six and zero going into the bye, which for me, you know, I personally would not have I would not have expected them to be even playing this well at this point. So anything at this point is kind of just, you know, exceeding expectations for me. You know, 
I mean, we'll get into the other NFC teams, but for you guys, would you consider them one of the better contenders, not only for the NFC, but, you know, also for, you know, potentially making it to the Super Bowl as well? Uh, I think so. Uh, it's just, I wanted to ask you uh, this question, Pat, just because you probably watch it more in depth uh, than I do. Um, what, from the first three games that, you, that you've seen, what, uh, what do you think from this team? What do you view it as the things that could go wrong? Like, they've seemed pretty flawless so Ooh. far, the Eagles. But what, what do you think, uh, what are the issues that you've noticed in this game, if any? Oh, man. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, these first couple of games for the Eagles, they've gone up big in the first half. I mean, we scored 24 in the second quarter, and then we didn't score for the rest of the game because we really didn't need to. We let off the gas pedal, and, you know, yeah, they scored eight points in the first in the fourth quarter, but, you know, we had back we had our backups, you know, backup weapons in a little bit. You know, you're trying to get some of the rookies more playing time. You know, you're letting off of the gas pedal. That's my – that's really, like, my only, like, concern, I guess, is that, like, you're going to have to eventually – you know, after, you know, you really don't even get into your harder games, harder, quote unquote, games until after the bye week, which, you know, the Steelers, yeah, the Colts, maybe, but the Colts also just lost to Jacksonville uh, or didn't lose to Jacksonville. Did they, who did they beat? No, they beat the Titans. They did, they did lose to, to Jacksonville. That was a shutout, I think. Jacksonville shut them out. Was it Jackson? But no, I thought the Colts beat the Titans. Yeah, well, they just beat the Chiefs. This, this they just beat the week. Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm losing it. I'm I'm <laughs> losing it now. Wow. Okay. Two weeks All ago right. was the shutout. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. So you're looking at the rest of this schedule. The only games that I'm really concerned about would be. The Texans game, I'm a bit concerned about. I'm not going to lie. Even though they're, you know, even they're an awful team, it's a trap game. It is 1,000% a trap game. And you're only on four days rest after that Steelers game, too. You have to fly across country to Texas for that one. So that's short rest. Uh, I still think they'll come out of that with the win. But the, again, that's a trap game. The Packers game at home, which will be great. That's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, Titans game, maybe. Um, other than that, like, there's not many games on this schedule that really terrify me, which is a good thing, but also, you know, could be a bad thing. I don't know if there's anything on this team necessarily that scares me. But I just feel like there's some games on our schedule that they may overlook. And then, you know, we have a Chargers moment where we lose 38 to 10 or, you know, a Chiefs moment, whatever. So I think that's really the only thing personally that scares me. Uh, you know, who knows? I think maybe maybe the offensive line. I'll throw that out, out there. I think they they've played fantastic through three games. But Kelsey's obviously getting up there in age. Uh, I hope he plays for as long as he does. Honest, I really hope he plays because I love him. He's probably one of my favorite players. Lane Johnson's getting up there. You know, I think he's almost on the wrong side of thirty now. Um, otherwise, all your you know the rest of your offensive linemen are relatively young. Those are the only. That's probably the only big thing with the team specifically that I'm worried about. Uh, 
But overall, I don't see many flaws in this team, which is really weird to say about this Eagles team because there's always been at least one glaring flaw. But you know, you have to get you have to hand that to Howie Rosen as well for filling those needs finally. We'll get into some other games. This isn't an Eagles podcast. This is an NFL podcast, after all. There's some other good games as well over the course of this weekend. We just referenced it. Colts, Chiefs. The Chiefs kind of, I was kind of shocked with this one. I wasn't able to watch this one because the Eagles were at the same time. I was kind of switching back and forth. I don't know if you guys were able to catch it, but... You know, for the Colts, they're one, one, and one on the season, which still is a weird stat. Uh, it's a big win for them, mainly because they're, you know, they're not in the same division, but they are in the same conference. And, you know, who knows what this means down the line for either of these teams. Excuse me, but, you know, for the Colt, for the Chiefs, uh, they're still, I mean, they're still considered one of the best teams in the AFC, and I think they will be surely competing by the end of the season for a spot in the AFC Championship. For the Colts, maybe it's you know some 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 way somehow a chance to get back on track after you know a tough start to the season. You know, you ended last season poorly. You don't start this season the greatest. I mean, you tie your first week against the Texans, and then you get shut out against the Jaguars in two consecutive weeks. That's not the start that anybody wants. So then you go out and beat the Chiefs. You know, that's a good place to get back on track. Manny, for you, you know, you're you're an AFC fan, obviously. How does this play into you for both teams, you know, early in the season? But, you know, how does this play into ultimately the AFC picture early on in this season. I think it just shows that uh not that the that this AFC is uh like an even playing field, but I think it's that like it this AFC is gonna be very much like very much unpredictable. Um like many people think. Uh I think at the beginning of the, the year before any games were played, a lot of people expected all these teams like the Raiders, the Chargers, the Bills the Dolphins uh, to be riding high at this point, possibly be two and one, three and oh, but the Raiders haven't won a game yet. The Bills just lost to the Dolphins and lost some of their key guys. Micah, Micah Hyde uh, lost them for the season and the Chargers just got destroyed. Like you mentioned there, Pat, um, by the Jaguars and they just lost to Rashawn Slater for the year as well. So at this point, it's, it's probably not the not the start that a lot of teams were hoping for, and for their fans, especially Raiders fans, that I bet I could bet that nobody thought they'd be zero and three at this point. But that's where they find themselves now. And the Chiefs again, uh, we're focusing on that game against the Colts. I bet a lot of Chiefs fans thought that they could beat the Colts after their last two results, but the Colts ended up with a win. And I think it just goes to show that this AFC is gonna be a lot of twists and turns, a lot of ups and downs for a lot of teams, and. Nobody can be a hundred percent sure of who we're gonna see there uh, towards Christmas time and New Year's. What teams are gonna stand out as the predominant powerhouse? It's like I guess the only team we can guarantee pretty much is the Bills. Maybe the Dol- maybe the Dolphins, just because they beat them. But I'm not sure of that yet. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see because it just gives me more hope as a Steelers fan. If we're one and two, and all these good teams aren't really showing that they're steamrolling over all these other teams uh it gives me some 
some hopeless optimism there that uh, we could do something. But yeah, that's the that's the main thing. It makes it more exciting. Zach, for you, this is an interesting stat. Jonathan Taylor has not been playing as much for this Colts team, or at least producing. This week, 21 carries, 71 yards, and only a three-point three-point yard clip. Is it time? Is it war? Is it is this an issue for the Colts going forward? And you know, why do you think they haven't been using Jonathan Taylor as much? Given he's probably what a top five, probably a top three running back in the league right now. I think that's definitely interesting. I mean, he he's getting the carries. He has twenty. He has twenty one carries uh, in yesterday's game, but it only went to, for seventy one yards. So I think that can be chalked up to a couple things. Maybe offensive line poor poor offensive line play, or or potentially uh, bad play calling, like uh, getting him the ball in bad situations. But um, Jonathan Taylor being, like you said, Pat, being a top five back, he needs to be getting the ball as much as possible for this Colts offense. But uh, going into the going into this Chiefs and Colts game a little more as a whole, it, obviously it didn't matter because the Colts still got it done. And the Chiefs um, kind of couldn't put a drive together. It seemed like I watched it in parts and, and uh, here and there, and the Chiefs really couldn't put a complete drive together. They would either – they would either score a touchdown or punt. And then at the end of the game, they had two turnovers that really cost cost them the game. So kind of kind of like what Manny said, this AFC is going to be very unpredictable. And it seems like almost any team could come out any week and, and show up. I completely agree with you guys as well. I mean, this AFC for once is unpredictable. Uh, and I'm interested to see kind of how that unfolds throughout the rest of, you know, the first half of the season and then, you know, going into the AFC, both playoff races at the end of this season. We referenced it as well. Bills, Dolphins, a great game again. The Dolphins, I really like this Dolphins team. Uh, you know, they ha- obviously have the talent in Tua and Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, uh, and obviously Mike McDaniel can't forget Mike McDaniel. Uh, this Dolphins team is here to stay, in my opinion. I don't think it's necessarily that the Bills are, you know, they're going to collapse because it's the Bills after all. They're going to be there. But for you guys, you know, what did you take away from this? This is a this is a bit of a shock for me. I did expect the Bills to come away with the win in this one. And for them to ultimately, you know, end up losing it in the last 10 seconds, just because they couldn't get a playoff uh, was a bit shocking for me, given, you know, how well they've played in these first two weeks. Manny, for you again, you know, dealing with these two teams, you're probably going to be hearing a lot about the Bills and Dolphins throughout the rest of the season for the AFC playoff picture. For you, what did you take out of this, you know, given this is a divisional game after all? Yeah, I I was watching ESPN this morning, and I thought it was really interesting when they were talking about the like the they said that the Dolphin Stadium is the biggest or the the best home field advantage for any team, and I I thought that was interesting because they said the way that the stadium's designed, the away team the the away team's always standing in the sun. The sun's always hitting them, or at on that sideline, it's always beaming down on them, and the Dolphins always get the shade. And I got to th- like that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, kudos to them for building it that way. Very very smart by the Dolphins. But um, the biggest thing I saw from the Bills was they just looked tired. The at the end, they Josh Allen looked exhausted. Stephon Diggs got hit a couple times there at the end, and he 
had to step off a little bit. It seemed to catch his breath or just uh, recover from some of those hits they were giving him. But I heard a lot of guys were cramping up as well. And that does play into a part in it. But I think the Bills still had the opportunity to, to get away and get a win with this one. But that Dolphins defense played uh, up up to the challenge and uh, really challenged Josh Allen a lot. They got to him a lot. They caused some turnovers. Um, that pass rush was there, and their corners did very well on Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, who was coming back off uh, after missing last week. But I think the the elements and the the Dolphins defense were were the positives for the Dolphins and played a lot better than I were expecting, and that's what ultimately got them the win there on the defensive side of the ball. Zach, for you before I before I speak on it, you know, for you again. You know, we're NFC fans, but this is still a potential, you know, AFC matchup come the playoffs. How important is it earlier in the season to get those divisional wins uh, going into, you know, the playoff picture when those tiebreakers mean a heck of a lot more than, you know, they may mean earlier in the season? Divisional wins now against what's probably the second best or could be the best if they outperform the bills this season as the dolphins and and the bills let this game get away from them i, I think this is an this was an important game for them to win the heat and the environment um and the pressure kind of got to them at the end it seemed like especially josh allen i mean he i'm not sure if you guys watched the bills final drive but he missed a wide open throw to get a first down and i kind of draw the game back to that because i mean it kind of got away for the Bills for in a couple ways, like um, turnovers, like Manny said, and and Melvin Ingram, who I didn't even know played for the Dolphins, by the way. Um, Melvin Ingram got the pass rush, got really good pass rush on the Bills O line all day, and I really think the Bills let this one slip. And uh, I feel like the offensive coordinator after the game, whenever he, uh, I'm sure you guys saw the clip of him slamming all of his papers in the press box, uh, that, that he probably feels the same way. That he probably would agree with me. So. I think the Bills just can't let games like this um, lose. They can't lose out on games like this because these are the ones they need to win for the division. And and this could be a preview for our AFC championship or at least at least the AFC East title. So uh, games like these, the Bills need to take care of. This is something that's very – I didn't know this stat beforehand. So, again, in this game, Josh Allen threw 63 times – 42 of those were completed, so at a 67% clip, not fantastic. Uh, 63 attempts is almost unheard of in modern NFL, even, you know, with the passing attack being, you know, the majority over a rushing attack. But for the fact, I mean, that's 63 times should not happen. I mean, the Bills rushed it 23 times in the game, but the leading rusher for the Bills was Josh Allen at eight eight attempts and 47 yards that should not happen at all another interesting stat in this one i don't know if you guys saw the bills ran 90 plays in this game you want to know how many the dolphins ran 39 39 plays in this game is almost unheard of in the modern nfl they ran 51 less plays and they still won Another interesting thing as well, the Bills, 500 total yards on the day. The Dolphins, 212. I, that's almost a 270-yard difference. 
for the Bills and 31 first downs for the Bills compared to the 15 for the Dolphins. You know, they're the numbers just speak for itself. The Dolphin, the also the the Dolphins only had eight drives compared to the Bills nine. So there is a lot on the Bills side that, you know, yeah, they got the stats, which is great. But at the end of the day, if you can't put the ball in the back, if you can't score, you can't, you know, you can't get the ball across the goal line. It's not going to matter ultimately. And in this one, they ultimately threw it away to a team that had 51 less plays, 275 less yards, and 16 less first downs. So this, in my opinion, is a major letdown for this Bills team, given the playoff implications, even early on in the season, you have to really wonder what went what went wrong for this Bills team uh, in this week three matchup. Couple other interesting ones as well. Ravens, Patriots, 37-26. Mac Jones, I don't know if you guys saw that video of him being carried off. Uh, that's not promising at all. And he was, you know, people were speculating that it was a sprained ankle against speculation. So take that with a grain of salt. But I don't know if you guys heard him. He was screaming in that clip. I don't know if I don't know about you guys. I've never had a sprained ankle before, but that doesn't sound like a sprained ankle kind of injury. So you know, that'd be something interesting to watch, you know, going into this coming week. Another interesting one that we referenced earlier on was Jaguars Chargers 38 to 10 blowout by the chart by the excuse me, by the Jaguars. Usually I'll say the Chargers, but it was a Jaguars blowout in this one. Manny, for you, you know, you mentioned it as well. This Chargers team has all the talent. But they just, I don't understand this team whatsoever. They are just the most unlucky team, and they just cannot produce. I wonder, you know, what what's your opinion on that quickly? Yeah, um, I don't know. It was weird. I, I think Justin Herbert's health obviously played a big part in it. He, There's no way he was 100% in this game. Um, even if they gave him um, whatever they gave him at the beginning of the game to make him feel a bit better, it was never going to compare to what you'd get from him if he wasn't um, dealing with an injury. Uh, so that's why I guess the offense struggled. And Keenan Allen was scratched from this game again. Uh, I thought, it, or a lot of people thought he was going to play, but he was questionable throughout the week. But ultimately, he didn't play. Um, and I guess they thought that this game would have been the game he could have missed, but Obviously, they were wrong, and uh, yeah, I think just a lot of things offensively didn't go their way for a team that is pretty reliant on their offense, just being so high-powered and really hitting on all cylinders. They could be one of the best teams in the AFC, but they were missing a couple pieces. Herbert was obvious, obviously wasn't 100%, and then their defense has been a bit suspect, and Joey Bosa um, obviously got hurt, uh, another player being hurt in this week's um, array of games obviously didn't help uh, that running game. So I think it, all over, this team is looking pretty banged up uh, to be pretty early on in the season. And again, it's just that theme that they followed, just unlucky really to, to get injured now. So I think that was the biggest thing. Zach, quickly from you for the Jaguar side as well, what did you take away from this? I mean, this is a statement win earlier on in the season. What's the expectation for this Jaguars team now that you're two and one, which is something we did not expect? Definitely a big statement for the Jaguars going forward. Um, I don't know if it's something to 
to expect for the rest of the season, but it's definitely weird for the Chargers. I mean, that's that's one word I can use to describe this game. I watched most of it. It was very weird because um, it was the Chargers offense that looked dead out there. Um, Herbert was not the same that he usually is. And I think for the Jaguars moving forward, we don't know um, we don't know what to expect for them. But I don't think this is something that we can expect from them every week. I just need to see more consistent production from their offense. All right, we got a couple more games that we want to get in before we turn our attention to this upcoming week four. Zach, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. The Seahawks suffer another heartbreaking loss, 27-23 to the Falcons. Take me through this one. I want to hear your analysis. You talked about it. This is the game that the Seahawks should have won. Yeah, th- this is definitely one that Seattle should have won. Um, Cordero Patterson, I mean, he ran all over us. What was it? Enough 17 carries, 141 yards. Um, it, it was just kind of a, what's a, what's a, it was a lame duck game for Seattle. I mean, they had the offense there, uh, the running game, like it seemed like early in the game, the running game was there and they just kind of went away from it. I mean, Gino passed the ball 44 times, which is a little, which is a lot for a team that should be running the ball more in my opinion, but, uh, 325 yards for him <clears throat> isn't a bad day, but it's just, the defense was disappointing. The defense was, was bad. Um, I mean, there wasn't really much to hang their hat on earlier in the season defensively, but I think after a game like that against Mariota, who's a mid-tier passer, and uh, and Cordero Patterson, I think they need to reevaluate some things on defense, definitely. But I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say because um, I, I just watched the game. And it was kind of dumbfounding to me almost because, I mean, growing up as a Seattle fan for the last couple of years, it's been – it's been different expectations than what I saw on Sunday. So it was just kind of disappointing, I guess, but uh, there's still plenty of games left. Our schedule doesn't get any easier, but I think there's still a chance to make, to make some noise. Yeah. I thought we're just going to comment on it. Uh, I don't know. It was weird. I thought with the last like developing plays there at the end when uh, Mariota fumbled, I just, I, I immediately thought like, like the Falcons fumbled another a game another game away, um it just seemed like that they fumbled the, the game away against the the Rams and then the week before as well against the Saints, it's just uh it's just something that this team does really and uh it just seemed like the like the Seahawks there in their last drive just kind of got stuck it almost seemed like not that they didn't know what to do it just seemed like there wasn't really like a clear cut plan uh in there for Gino. Uh, to follow, go with at the end there. And then that last throw, I think, I don't know if he got sacked on the play before. I think he did get sacked just before he threw that interception. That kind of threw everything uh, out the window there for them. And then just that throw, it's kind of just like a miracle throw up there to see if you guys can come down with it. It was um, an uglier win for the Falcons. To give some credit to them, I guess, uh, they did run the ball well with Cordero Patterson and Drake London. Uh, is looking good as well as Kyle Pitts. Um, that's some ho- some positives for the Falcons, but I don't think a lot of people are expecting many things from them. They're in sort of that rebuilding stage now, trying to transition away from Mariota. Um, he can't be the long-term plan there, but it's definitely a game that the Seahawks would have definitely liked to have back, especially at home where they definitely play a lot better than than on the road. Yeah, for me in this one, there's a couple of interesting plays that maybe, Zach, you you can elaborate on a little bit more. But 
you know, Pete Carroll is what, how old now? Like 80, 81 now. So he's getting up there in age. I'm wondering if there's something to play into effect when he's making these kinds of decisions. The one key one that I, you know, saw a little bit in highlights and whatever was that field goal in the late third quarter, which was from like what the Atlanta, it was the Atlanta seven uh, on fourth and two or third and two. Zach, can you, can you explain, you know, you probably can't explain why they decided to kick it from the set Atlanta seven. Uh, but that's just kind of dumbfounding to me. Like that's something that, you know, the Steelers would do. Well, uh, I mean, Carol kind of brings, I, I guess, an old fashioned approach to football, a little stab there at Manny, but no, Carol kind, <laughs> kind of brings a, uh, an old timey approach to football. And I think, in the NFL today, a lot a lot more teams are going to be aggressive in that situation and go for a fourth and short inside the 20, inside the 10. Um, but I guess, I mean, he, Carroll had no reason to trust his defense in this game, but I guess he wanted to trust his defense is the only explanation I can give. And and he kicked a field goal thinking that defense could get a stop. And then uh, with 35 seconds there, Mariota passes it to London on a, on a very well-executed drive. They he he passed it to London for the touch London for the touchdown there and and I guess uh, maybe uh, Carroll trusts his defense there at the end but it just couldn't get it done. So another interesting weekend for all three of our teams as well, uh, both good and bad for well the other my two co-hosts unfortunately. But let's get into week four. It's an interesting Thursday night game: Dolphins Bengals. Bengals obviously made it to the Super Bowl last year, uh, not having the greatest start so far this season. Now one and two, underperforming expectations by far. Dolphins obviously coming off of that win against the Bills, one of only two undefeated teams in the NFL, along with the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, had to put that in there. Uh, Manny, for you, this includes an AFC North team, What's going wrong with this Bengals team so far this season? And, you know, what's going right? And, you know, why do you think the do you think the Dolphins are going to be the favorite going into this one? Uh, yeah, I think I think Dolphins will definitely be favored just obviously for their in terms of record sake. Uh, but I think in, specifically for the Bengals, just from what I've seen of them, um, their offensive line has not improved as much as a lot of people thought it would. Uh, they got. Lyle Collins um, in there to play tackle and they got a other, they drafted well and developed those guys through the draft pretty, pretty well. But it just seemed like at least through these first three games that it got, it's gotten worse from, from last year. Uh, Joe Burrow looks like he's running for, for his life back there. Like he did in the first, in his first year there, which ultimately got him hurt. And he's already taken a lot of sacks this year. So they got to fix that up first and foremost because they don't want it to end up like it did the first year. And then I just don't think they could rely on their defense really as much as many of the better teams can. Um, their secondary is not really that good. Jesse Bates is the more prominent name there. Um, but other than that, their corners aren't locked down corners really. And to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks, Hendrickson is only the really the only one that can do it. Um, but then other than that, it, their defense isn't somebody that could get after you 
um, like the Eagles defense, for example, just puts up nine sacks on, on Carson Wentz or any or the Chargers de- defensive line or the Bucks defensive line, some teams like that that can will put pressure with four and can kind of match that secondary mis- those secondary mistakes. I just don't think the Bengals can do that. And I think you see teams like the Jets putting up like 31 points on them. So uh, they got some areas to fix, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they won uh, on Thursday. It, it would be a game for them to win, but it'll be a, an intriguing one for sure. A lot of eyes will be on that one. A lot of eyes will be on that game for sure. Manny, I want to get your prediction for this one. You can give a score if you want, but what's your prediction for that Thursday night game, Dolphins Bengals? Oh, um, would you? I don't. I don't have it up right now. Would you happen to know if it's in Cincinnati or in Miami? I can it tell you is, one second. It is in Cincinnati. Okay, oh, that makes it tougher then. <sighs> So this is this is an interesting yeah. one. I'll put this out here before you say anything. The Bengals are currently favored at 70-30. How? That's according crazy. To, according to ESPN's <laughs> FPI, which, okay, is not the greatest. Yeah, exactly. It's not the most, you know, esteemed of indexes, but, you know, that's still shocking to me. I'm shocked it's that high because given the – Dolphins are three and zero, and the Bengals are one and two. Do you disagree with that? I hope you do. I mean, yeah, I would disagree with it. Just I, I, I don't know. That's that, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be really upset. Um, but I don't know. That makes it tougher because it's in Cincinnati. Um, I would probably. I'm gonna still pick. Oh, and also, it's it's weird because of Tua's like health with his uh, concussion, possibly uh, how he looked after he hit his head. Um, we'll see what that is. But right now, if everyone's healthy, uh, I'm still going to go with the Dolphins to win. I'm going to say they'll win 27 to to 21. I'll say they win. Zach, what's your prediction for the game? We'll go help. We'll say everyone's healthy for now in this one, because this is easily change if two is not able to go, which I don't think he should, given what happened uh, in that game against the Bills. The way Tua looked after that hit hit against helmet on the turf against the uh, Bills, that was definitely a scary thing to watch. And and but when it comes to the Bengals' struggles, um, everything that Manny touched on is really what I want to say. The O line has been unimproved this season, and the defense has not been worth relying on. So I think, despite it being in Cincinnati, I think Miami has a good chance. I mean, Miami has a great chance. I just say, despite the FBI, um, Miami has a good chance. It's just that um, they've played in a lot of close games this year. It seems the Dolphins have played in a close game against the Ravens. That was an absolute shootout. And they played in a close game against the Bills that came down to the Bills, ultimately letting it slip. So I think the Bengals probably uh, still have a chance here, but it's just, I think it's going to be a close back and forth game um, hmm, for a prediction though. Burrow just hasn't looked as confident this year, too. I wanted to mention that. Um, I, I'm going to pick Dolphins uh, 27 to 20. All right. In my opinion, again, if everyone's healthy, which who knows what's going to happen with Tua, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, I think the FPI is thoroughly wrong. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 28-14. For my prediction, I think the Dolphins are going to have a good game offensively. It's going to be a tough one, obviously, in Cincinnati. 
but I think ultimately Cincinnati is also favored by three and a half, which it, honestly, if you don't hammer that, if you don't hammer the Dolphins plus three and a half, I, you know, you'd be losing money in my opinion, but we don't promote gambling here on first and moose. Of course, we'll get into some other games as well. We'll get into our three teams games, especially as we have Monday night football in just a little bit. Quickly for you, Manny, Eagles-Jaguars, prediction for that game. Yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles, probably. I think Trevor Lawrence had a really good game this past week. Threw for over 220 yards, three touchdowns. Everybody looked great, but I just think that Eagles defense is, is a lot better at this point than the Chargers. And uh, I think the, the Eagles will win. Uh, they've been putting up a lot of points. I'll say they, they'll win 28 28 to 14. I'll say they'll win. All right, Zach, your prediction for Eagles-Jaguars. Despite how well the Jaguars have been playing this season, um, they just don't have the kind of weapons that the Eagles do. I mean, just looking at it standardly on paper, the the weapons just don't equal there. And the defense, I think, will have a good day um, against Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to say I'm going to say 31 to 10. I'm going to say a little bit of a blowout, but I think the Eagles are pretty legit this year. So. Well, I appreciate that, of course. <laughs> I think it's going to be a bit closer than some people think. Eagles are favored by six and a half here. I think it's – I don't think that's going to happen. Personally, I think it's going to be 27-21 Eagles. It's going to be a closer one than people expect. Uh, so I'd be interested to see how that one turns out. But I still think the Eagles are going to end up going 4-0 and going into week five. Quickly, for the other couple of games, Zach, for you at 1 o'clock, Seahawks-Lions. You're not going to like my pick in this one, but I want to hear your opinion on this one first. So uh, this is a NFL dumpster fire game. But um, I, I think I think the Lions have been playing better than the Seahawks in recent memory. They, they've played a couple of close games, especially they played a close one against the Eagles in week one. But I, I think I have Seattle on the road here. I mean, they have – they have lines favored by six, I think by six. And I think uh, despite that at Ford field, I think it'll, it'll be a closer game. Um, and the Seahawks, I mean, offensively, they've played well in the last couple of games, they've scored points, which is something that they, in the past, especially last season, they weren't able to do. And if they can continue to score against the Lions defense. And I think they'll have a good chance. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say ooh, 21 to 17 four-point game all right i'll take that manny real quick from you what's your prediction for that seahawks lions game i think i saw earlier that uh deandre swift might not be 100 percent for that one and he might miss that game so that's huge obviously for the lions uh, he's been really really playing well for them um and other than um Amra, amra say brown i think uh if you take him away you're kind of relying on golf. I know Jamal Williams is there. Um, I'm not saying he's terrible. Like TJ Hawkinson. You got to yeah. include TJ Hawkinson too. Yeah. And then other, um, just the biggest thing for, for that is you have to rely on golf kind of not to win you the game, but to play a prominent role in that. And I'm, and I don't think I'm fully on board with that, um, but it's what they have to do if Swift doesn't play. So, I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. I think they can get it done on the road. And it's just unfortunate for the Lions that one of their best players isn't playing. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks taking this one. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say 20, 20 to 14. I'm going to go against you guys. I'm going to take the Lions in this one. I think the Seahawks, although it may seem like they have a better team, I think this Lions team is more is a hungrier team, and I think they're going to be hunting for their second win of the season. I'm going to take the Lions in this one. They're favored by six and a half. I think they'll hit that spread. I'm going to go 28-21 for the Lions at home against the Seahawks. All three of our games are at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Manny for you, Jets-Steelers. Steelers at home against the against the Jets. Is this a win for you? And what's your score prediction in this one? I'm interested to see what you actually have to say. Yeah, honestly, if if we if we don't win this Sunday, I I might not be on the podcast next week. Honestly, <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't know it was at home either. Um, it did. I it has to be a win. I just and this team's uh has a longer week. I think they have more rest because they played on Thursday. So I'm expecting this offense to be a lot to look a lot more prepared, a lot more organized, and Zach Wilson could be playing in that one, making his return. His first action this year. Um, we should. I hope. Hopefully, we can get after him and uh, just take advantage of him being rusty. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the Steelers here. Uh, 23, 23 to fifteen. I would say. Twenty-one to fifteen is an interesting one, Zach. Real quick from you, what's your prediction for this one? Well, I don't think the Jets are as much of a pushover they have been in the past, but this should be hopefully an easy one for Trubisky and the Steelers. Um, if, like you said, Manny, if if the Steelers don't perform here, like don't take care of this game, or if they even lose, that's definitely a sign for concern. Um, but I think the Steelers will take care of it at home. I'm I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh, twenty-one to seven. I'm gonna go against you guys again. Manny, you're not going to like this one. I'm going to take the Jets on the road in Pittsburgh. I'm taking the upset here. I think that Garrett, or not, excuse me, Zach Wilson coming back uh, is going to be an interesting dynamic adding to the team. I think Garrett Wilson has also been a fantastic rookie so far. I mean, he has 18 receptions, 214 yards, two tutties. He's played well so far. However, the FPI does favor the Steelers 68 232. The FBI FBI is wrong in this one. I'm going to say it. I'm going to take the Jets 28 to 14. 28 to 14 is going to be my pick for that one. Manny, you're not going to like me, but I think that's my prediction for this one. And real quickly, Monday Night Football, obviously, in a couple minutes, as soon as we're done, we're going to be watching that one. Cowboys, Giants, quickly score predictions. Manny, for you, what's your what's your prediction? Giants favored by one point. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting one for sure. Cooper Rush against Daniel Jones. Um, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Cowboys here. Um, they might surprise people. Um, if uh, people think that the Giants uh, are going to take this one lightly, um, I like the Cowboys more. I think the Giants are kind of riding their on a high wave right now, thinking they're uh they're one of the better teams. But I just think the Cowboys will shock them here, and uh, I'm going to go. Low scoring. I'm gonna say like 1310. The 113-10. All right, Zach, real quick, what's your prediction? I think the the Cowboys will take care of it. Um, I mean, I think it's gonna be a close, low scoring game, like Manny said. 
but we've seen what Cooper Rush can do in, in a little bit of a ways. Um, obviously, he's not great, but he can perform when it matters. And I think the Giants are a little bit of a faker when it comes to being 2-0 at the start of this season. So I think we could definitely see uh, the Cowboys run the ball with Zeke Elliott and definitely get a lot of yards there. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Cowboys 17-10. Uh, to 10. I'm really going against you guys here tonight. This is just unfortunate. <laughs> I'm going to take the Giants in this one. Uh, Giants are obviously home here tonight. Tickets going for a whopping $381 to a Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. $381 is the lowest ticket to tonight's Mm -hmm. game, which is shocking, to say the least. I'm going to go with the Giants. They're favored with the FPI, which really isn't helping my cause whatsoever. But I don't think the Cowboys are going to be as good with Cooper Rush. Uh, I think Barkley is going to have a good night. Hopefully he needs to break out at some point. Uh, and I think it might be tonight in this one giants favored by one. I'm going to take them close 21, 17. Something worth mentioning. Uh, Jerron curse is out for tonight. So that'll be something tomorrow. I mean, I know he's, uh, is he out for the season or I, I'm not sure that they announced like, is it how bad was his injury? I wasn't exactly sure. Um, I didn't catch it, but uh, I did not see that. Well, he I is think... starting safety for them, so that'll make, yeah. make a big impact tonight. So, Kayvon uh, Thibodeau might play too. Thibodeau yeah, might play. Action. Yep, true. Well, you can't can't change your picks now, guys. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not changing my picks. Uh, <laughs> All right, good. All right. Well, that this has been first and moves week three review, week four preview. Thank you again for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week to review week four and preview week five of this NFL season in the 2022-2023 year. Thank you again for listening and have a good night.